Hello, welcome to Squish Me Not, an 18 plus podcast where we discuss all things erotic fiction. hosts i'm squid and i'm pixie and uh we have a really special one today because this book comes to us from one of our listeners and we are so excited because we both love this book yeah we really really enjoyed this book so thank you very much for suggesting it um yeah let's uh do you want to do you want to give like a kind of a brief synopsis of what this book is about it's called stuck together with you it's by V.D. Mercer and Dan Scammell. Yeah, and I believe I believe uh, our listener is actually one of the authors. Uh, no, the listener was a friend of the author, but Aha. the author might be a listener now, maybe? Perhaps, <laughs> perchance. Uh, but yeah, okay, so Stuck Together With You is uh, what I would personally describe as a love letter to the Golden Girls. Uh, it is a sort of fictionalized version of a cast of characters who are definitely drawing inspiration from the Golden Girls, uh, which was very yeah. fun as someone who has seen a, f- a few episodes of the Golden Girls uh, in my day. I- I've I've never seen any of the Golden Girls before, but I have seen clips, and I like I kind of know the gist of it. So I was like very excited for hor- horror erotica yeah. inspired by the Golden Girls. Uh, it is. Uh, I don't, I really, it's it's about one of the characters is uh, trying to attain, like, eternal youth by uh, draining the life force out of her co- co-hosts at the end of their lives. They've, like, ripened to fullness, and uh, there's, like, a demon involved, and it's it's very fun. It is a campy good time. It's it's so campy. Uh, it gives me really big uh, Death Becomes Her vibes, yeah. which is also fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, uh, for those who do not know, is a movie from, I believe, the 90s. And um, I think maybe earlier? Maybe. It might be. Uh, no, you're right. 92. Yep. Uh, and, and yeah, no. You know, it, it, let's just get into it, because... I don't want to just sit here for 20 minutes describing the book when we can just document it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Let's just delve right in. So, so uh, first off the bat, the kind of cool thing about this book is that it is, there's a lot of a visual component to it. Um, so it's got like mock-up newspaper clippings and like TV guides and like uh, f- quote unquote photos, they're drawings, but like photos of the cast and stuff that are kind of interspersed throughout it. Like it's a kind of a, almost a scrapbook, which is kind of neat. It also has, uh, segments that are meant to be scripts from the TV show in this world. So that's all, that's very fun. It's just like a really fun experience reading this because it's, a lot more tactile than, uh, I don't know if that's quite the right word, but, but you know what I mean. It's like, uh, an audiovisual experience. Yeah, it really is. It's great. So, yeah, we start with a prologue, and there's this, there's two mysterious figures in a cemetery, and they're digging up a body from the cemetery. Which, what an opening, really. It's a great opening, <laughs> It's really great. So the these two 
individuals, this man and this woman, dig up this dead body and they, they it's clear that something something weird and supernatural is going on because the the man starts like uh s- like sucking from it. Like I think he's like drinking its blood or something or that's at least what it seems like he's doing. Yeah. And then they fuck. Yep. And they like <laughs> They partic- They specifically, like, prop up this corpse so that it has to watch them, which I'm like, what an opening. This is, like, this is how this book opens. Oh, and it's, yeah, it, like, it came out swinging, and I am here for it. it. It's unhinged right off the bat. Listener, this is, it's wild. It's such a great opening to just, like, immediately put you into the vibe of what this book is going to be like. Yeah, this is, like, part sort of, like I said, love story to the Golden Girl, like, love letter to the Golden Girls, and part, like, just horny as fuck horror. D- deranged yeah. fan fiction? Uh, <laughs> a, ho- uh, a horror novel. Like, this is very much like a horror novel. Not like yeah, a horror novel. It is uh, a horror novel. But, like... It is. Yeah, no, the the cover actually calls it a weird, erotic horror novella. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, it is meant to be creepy. Um, I, I think that is honestly very like, nails it. It's it's honestly, it's so good. It's so good. Yes. But yeah, we we open with like this this graveyard scene, and fucking by the corpse happens, and it's all just you never know what to expect when you pick up a book. That was not what I was expecting, and I was so happy. <laughs> I was so pleased. I was so, so thrilled. Uh, so and and the the sex writing in this, unlike uh, some of the last books that we've discussed, uh, is not. It's it's more pornographic than it is um, emotional. Yeah. So we we have so the language is a lot crasser. So we have sentences like um, he approached and rubbed his stiffening cock up and down the crease of her ass until he was fully erect, then plunged himself gracelessly into her wet cunt. So uh, we've got that kind of language, which I appreciate. I yeah I I love this as a choice because. It, it is. It, it makes it very uh, jarring to just be like, oh, it's going to be like that, is it? Well, all right then. Yeah. And like, and that's the thing. Like, you get into sort of the opening and you know you're in for a good time. Yes. Yes, exactly. Uh, so that's the prologue. We have this mysterious scene. Uh, two people fucking in a cemetery in front of a drained corpse. As you do. And then we... Uh, you know, as uh, hasn't this ever happened to yeah, you? Yeah, <laughs> you know, don't isn't that just like a universal experience? Uh-huh. It's just a typical Saturday night, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, chapter one starts with a like it's a newspaper interview. Um, oh, no, sorry, it's a magazine interview. Rhonda Wilkes interview with Tube Guru magazine. So Rhonda Wilkes is one of our main characters, and she is one of the actresses on the show Stuck Together with You, yes. which is obviously a parody or an inspired by the Golden Girls TV series yes. about a group of older ladies. Yes. Um, and so we get this interview sequence uh, as she is answering questions for Tube Guru magazine. Um, and she's like talking about her relationships with her co-stars, what it was like being on the show. Uh, it gets brought up that one of her co-stars recently passed away. And she's like, yes, it was very sad for all of us. We were close. 
etc., etc. You know, the, the usual spiel. Yes, the usual spiel, what you would expect her to say in an interview, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, so after that, after that interview, we we move into a new scene in a nursing home. And so this scene opens us with a Ms. Roberts, and I believe uh, Connie. Connie is the is the woman who was one of Rhonda Wilkes' co-stars on Stuck Together With You. And she's now in an old folks home, and she's being taken care of. And we have this scene between her and one of the orderlies there. And so this is one of the most interesting and compelling aspects of the book to me, because it is told from Connie's perspective, at least a lot of it is, and you get, like, this very realistic depiction of, like, confusion and brain fog and she doesn't really remember things very well because she's quite elderly yeah and also like a lot of sort of the the frustration that comes with being an older person who is losing their faculties but like isn't is aware that they are but isn't fully cognizant of it if you will yeah she's not doing great but there's also, like, this level of frustration of, like, oh, why won't anyone listen to me? And, uh, you know, does everyone think I'm stupid or whatever? That I feel yeah. like is really uh, an, a very honest portrayal of how a lot of older people often feel. Yeah. Or, I mean, and not necessarily just older people, but, like, people who are under care, people with disabilities, mm. people who, for whatever reason, can't care for themselves it's honestly like it's quite emotional and more emotionally compelling than I expected from from this very wild porn novel um but yeah it's just this very honest very sincere depiction of this woman who is so old she can't really remember things she doesn't quite know what's going on around her at any given moment um she's being asked to sign a waiver for an experimental treatment. And she doesn't quite even understand the explanation of what it is. She just knows she's being asked to sign a form. And, and her, or- her orderly is, like, having to ask her to sign it, but he doesn't really feel good about it because he knows she doesn't understand and also because he knows that this experimental treatment often ends in death. And he's like, "Yeah, I don't feel good about asking her to do this. I know I'm contractually obligated to, but I don't feel good about it. He's almost trying to, like, convince her not to in the way he pitches it to her. Because he's like, this is a, it's for a treatment. It's probably going to be really painful. It's probably not going to help. Might even make things worse. So you probably don't want to sign it. Um, He's doing everything he can to, like... Essentially talk her out of signing something that she really shouldn't. Yeah, but she is stubborn and she doesn't really want to be like told what she should or shouldn't do. So she's being contrarian and she's like, well, I'm going to sign it. So there. And she doesn't even know what it is. And, you know, like she's also frustrated because she can't move very well. She has trouble holding the pen. Uh, I mean, her hands hurt. Yeah. You know, like it's just you get this picture of this woman whose existence is very it's difficult yeah. she has a, a difficult time of things right yeah. now well and like another interesting aspect is that like he was a fan her orderly was a fan of yes her show growing up and had a crush on her character as a young boy uh or as yes. a young teen and and like there's there is such 
a sense of like warmth and care for her and also a sense of like sadness that you know she didn't have anyone coming to visit her she went from being like this really you know vibrant vivacious woman to someone who's like struggling to hold a pen who is uh struggling to understand what's being asked of her who is very lonely and we see often how he like goes out of his way to try to like you know give her a little bit of extra care because Mm -hmm. he cares about her even though it's from sort of like a a parasocial relationship way and of course as her orderly he you know he has come to know her and does care about her and and you sort of get this you know that that sort of like before and after the deterioration that happens as you get older and again it it feels very honest and earnest in its depiction yeah it's very sincere and and quite emotional like a surprising amount of uh dignity is given to both of these characters and it's honestly i found it beautiful um so so after he gets her to sign this well he doesn't get her to but she signs it and he's like not super thrilled about it he honestly thinks it's a death sentence he's like they're gonna give her this experimental treatment and she's gonna die yeah like she she's on her last legs kind of thing and he's just like the chances of her even making it to the hospital to get this treatment without dying is already slim let alone having the treatment yeah um, but he wheels her to the cafeteria for, you know, for lunch. And she asks him if if he'll sit with her for lunch, which he's not really supposed to do because he's an orderly. He's got other stuff to do. He's got other people to see. But, you know, he's like, okay, I'll, I'll sit with you and I'll let you chat with me. Because cause he knows that she's lonely. And it's, yeah, yeah it's a, I, th- I thought it was a beautiful scene. Yeah, and like he clearly has like, there's a very special spot in his heart for her as a person. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, mm-hmm. their relationship is so sweet and it's so tender. Yeah. It's one of my favorite things about this book. Yes, same. I really love the, the dynamic between the two of them is quite beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's our introduction to Connie, sorry, what was her last name? Roberts. Roberts. Connie Roberts. That's our introduction to Connie Roberts and Terry is her orderly. Uh, so we move on to the next chapter. And we're back with Rhonda Wilkes, who is coming to visit Connie at the White Birches Assisted Living Facility. Uh, She doesn't have an appointment, though. So she comes in and she's talking to the receptionist. And the receptionist is like, first, a little starstruck because people recognize her. She's a very famous actress from a famous TV show. And despite being so elderly, she still has an active career. She does. She's the only one from this show who still has an active acting career. So she's she's a little bit starstruck, so she has this conversation with the receptionist, um, but then she gets to the point of it where she's like, listen, I want to go visit Connie, and the receptionist says, well, you haven't made an appointment. I'm not supposed to let people in without, you know, prior arrangements. And, you know, Rhonda's kind of using her stardom to her advantage. Be like, well, can't you make an exception for me? Yeah. You know? And doing, you know, we're old friends, and she's going for this experimental treatment, and I want to see her in case mm-hmm. she doesn't make it. Like, the whole nine yards, crocodile tears galore. Yes. Uh, and Rhonda also has this strange tall man with her mm-hmm. who is like saying things to her like do we have to like can't i just take care of this like why, yeah, why like, are we doing can this we stop games? playing these stupid fucking games and she's just like you're stop ruining my fun uh 
Yeah, she seems to have kind of like an antagonistic relationship with this mysterious strange man. Mm -hmm. But he mostly just kind of keeps out of her way and lets her do her thing. And she convinces the receptionist to let her in to go see Connie, even though it's not technically allowed. She doesn't have uh, an appointment to see Connie. So they get into Connie's room and Connie's sleeping and Rhonda's standing over her and she's thinking about, you know, it's been decades since she's seen her. She's contemplating how time hasn't really been kind to her. She looks so frail and she's just like, okay, well, we're here. Let's get this over with. So we kind of get to know a little bit about what this man is doing. And um, he's got this long finger talon that he stabs into her. Yes. I think he stabs it into her stomach yeah. or into her belly button. Uh, well, I mean, the no, belly button is on the stomach, stomach, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he, like, stabs this talon into her. And it, he begins, like, doing this thing where he's, like, sucking the, the life or the vitality out of her. But... They are interrupted because in comes Terry, who is checking in on Connie. And he's and all like, WTF, are you guys doing in here? You don't have... He's an- like, what the fuck? Yeah. He's not really aware of what they're doing yet, uh, but he is also like, uh, excuse me, I was not alerted to there being visitors today. Are you and why are you here? Yes, precisely. Um, he's like, well, I'm supposed to be taking her to, uh, her treatment now, so if you could go away, that would be great, especially considering you're, like, not even supposed to be here. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's real, uh, he's real protective in this moment of just, like, excuse me, uh, what do you think you're doing? Why are you here? Why are you touching her? And, uh, where is your visitor's pass? I was not alerted to there being visitors today. How dare how dare you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Though he he isn't like immediately super hostile no. because he does recognize Rhonda. Of course, he was a fan of the show, yes. so he knows who Rhonda is. He's also kind of like something something weird is uh, happening here. Something weird is clearly going on, yeah. uh, especially considering it's not like she's visited her in the past three decades. Yeah. So he's like, mm, something's fishy. Yeah. He's like, okay, well, I don't know what you're doing here, but like, get out. uh and then connie wakes up while they're having this discussion and connie's like looking at the the two of them and she's like she recognizes Rhonda, and she calls her by her character name i believe nina because she's you know she's a little confused she's a little confused uh but but she's okay right but the the stranger has to back off at this point and can't continue what he was doing he's very unhappy and angry about it yes yes he's not super pleased uh, we cut to a script sequence, and uh, these sequences are really cute, actually, because they really do feel like they could be actual sitcom scripts, yeah. right? Yeah, they very much read as, like, a script straight out of the Golden Girls. Uh, they are just so charming, and uh, I adore that they're in here. I love that they're in here, too. And also, um, they... This is what I mean by, like, this is a very visual experience, because, like, it's not just the script. Um, it's also got, like, handwritten notes on it. Some of the lines are highlighted. It just is very... <clears throat> it it feels very authentic and real. Yeah. It's it's just a really cool touch. Yeah, I really... I really... I think more books need to have uh, audio... Or not audio. Visual components. <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah. Or, or just that kind of like uh, visual, the illusion of like wear and tear mm-hmm. and like, oh, like this is a script that has been passed around, traveled around. Like sometimes you get uh, the image of like a tear in the page that has been taped down. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just cool. Yeah. It's just really cool. I think it's a really... It just adds a lot of charm. It adds so much charm. It does. I think one thing that I could easily say about this book is that it is oozing with charm. Yes. Um, so after that script, we cut back to the scene in the in the room. And Connie is awake now. So she's like, oh, Nina. Oh, wait, no, that's not quite right. Uh, she's She's very befuddled. But she starts talking to to them, and and Terry's like, "Yeah, you guys need to leave. Uh, she's supposed to be going for treatment right now, and she's not supposed to be having visitors at the moment. So if you could just uh, get out, that would be great. Yeah. If she could leave and yes, come back with an appointment or something, assuming she lives, that would be uh, preferred. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but Rhonda's like, well, can't can't I just have a moment alone with her? Uh, she was a very dear friend of mine, and you know, I I know that she might not survive this treatment. So please, can't I just you know, can't I just see her a little bit first? Which doesn't uh, work quite as well as she would like. Ter- Terry event does end up putting his foot down and says, "No, you can't see her right now. Come back after." Um, but yes, Rhonda does end up... How does she... She gives her a little bit of her vitality. How does that work? Is it like a drop of blood or something? Oh, I don't remember. Yeah, you would have to read that. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she does something. She does something to like give to give Connie a bit of her own life force, life energy, so that sh- she will survive the treatment. And we'll learn a little bit later on why she does that and how that works. But for now, we just know that she's given her something of herself. And the two of them, her and the mysterious man, uh, leave chased off by orderly Terry. Good riddance. (laughs) Good riddance. Screw those people. So the next chapter, Terry is taking Connie out to, you know, to to the facility where her treatment is going to be conducted. And, you know, he's he's also feeling like, man, she might be about to die. This might be my last chance to talk to her. So, you know, he starts talking to her about how he really always loved her TV show, how he kind of had a crush on her. And she has this moment of clarity where she's like talking to him and she says, you know, I know that you've been really kind to me. I can't remember all the ways that you've been kind to me because my mind is so confused, but I do know that you have been really good to me here. So thank you for that. Um, Which is just a really beautiful moment between the two of them. Yeah, and she gets taken into surgery. She does. Uh, She gets taken into surgery right right after that. And it's not entirely, like, it's not really explained what the treatment is. Uh, No! I mean, I think a doctor kind of explains what the treatment is a little bit later, yeah, like, in, in vague terms still. Yeah, it it's definitely uh, one of those things where it's like, yes, yes, this is definitely not a medical treatment that we had made up for the story. Definitely a real thing. Ha 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 ha. Don't look. Don't look closely at this. I'm not explaining yeah, anything it's... than this. Which totally <laughs> valid things I have done. 
Yeah, it's unimportant. There's an experimental, unproven treatment that she's one of the first few to be getting, and it's very risky, and that's really all that is necessary to know about it. Yeah, uh, and it, well, and that also, like, it sort of gives people back uh, a lot of vitality, a lot of uh, mm-hmm. energy and youthfulness, and makes it so they have better cognition and all this fun stuff. Uh, so long as you keep doing the treatment and don't stop the treatment, blah, blah. Yes. So the treatment is a success. She wakes up after the treatment and she's kind of in like recovery room. And she gets up from her bed to walk over to the window. And a nurse comes in and like does a double take. She's like, "What? why are you out of bed? How are you walking around? Yeah, because and Connie's like, she's had like stuff done to her spine. Like she should not be out of bed. Uh, but because Rhonda gave her some of her vitality, like, she's healing a lot faster. Yeah, but, like, as far as the nurse is aware, like, she wasn't even really able to walk on her own prior to this, uh, procedure, and now she certainly shouldn't be because she should be in recovery. Um, so, so she's like, we're just, why don't we just get you back to bed? Uh, and Connie's like, okay. So we're already getting, like, this sense that she is... She seems to be getting stronger. Yeah. Right? And not just stronger, She's like, not... her mind is a lot clearer. She can see better. Much. hurts less. Like, there's a lot of, uh, rapid improvement in her was almost dead, and now she's like, wow, I feel like I'm, like, 30 years younger. Yeah, I wonder how that happened. What a, what a treatment, huh? Yeah, that treatment was definitely, a, it's a, it's a miracle cure, it seems. Mm-hmm. So we, we cut away from Connie. And the next chapter, we're again with Rhonda. And we get a name for this mysterious man who is with her. His name is Azagon. And he's this hideous creature. Like, he, he's a demon, essentially. But he is described as being, like, very, very zombie-like. Like, he's, his flesh is kind of decaying. Uh, he's full of like and pustules and boils. Yeah, uh, like he's very oozy in that sense. Oozy. <laughs> um, like he, yes, he, he's sort of like, if I recall correctly, he's sort of described as being like very handsome, if not for the fact that he's like covered in like disgusting boils and stuff. Open sores. Yeah, open sores. Yeah. Like, uh, so he, we get the sense that he is this like very disgusting, half rotted creature. Um, and she is having sex with him. So. <laughs> yeah, as you do. I, as you do. I love this book's, like, just dedication to gross. Yeah. It's, like, it's great. Yeah. Uh, it's so fun because it's so, like, it's just nasty. And, and as a horror novel, I feel like that's what it should be. Yeah. Like, so many of these kind of books have probably just had him be, like, model sexy. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I just, I do love that this book is not afraid to get really gross. Yeah, it is, uh, it's very fun. And I, I also like that the book, not only is, like, he gross, but, like, the sex they're having is, like, really, like, it's hard, it's nasty, it's dirty. Uh, oh, like, yeah. Like, they are not having gentle sex. No, they're not. They're they're quite rough. And they don't seem to really like each other. They have very antagonistic, like, hate sex. Yeah, um, yeah. It's sort of like a love-hate. We kind of are in this together, 
even if we don't super like each other, but we are having a nice time, uh, hate fucking. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, so they call each other all sorts of names, they get really rough with each other. We also sort of get the um, impression that they like being mean to each other. Yeah, yeah, like this is enjoyable for both of them on some level. Yeah obviously uh but we we also get the sense that like i believe part of this is part of the like the demonic ritual yeah well because uh because she gave some of her essence to connie she now needs to like renew herself through sex with him um yes correct because like yeah there's this whole again demonic ritual for eternal youth and yeah what yeah, have yeah. You. so he's essentially giving her vitality but in exchange, he also gets to consume the vitality of these other women, yeah. is I believe what the exchange here is. So she gets to have eternal youth via this demonic pact, and he gets to consume uh, all of her friends. Yeah, like, it, it's a whole part of this ritual where, like, in order for her to retain this youth, uh, like, he had, like, they have to consume the vitality of these people who were basically conned into, uh, participating. Yeah, in the original demonic ritual. Rituals, so that back. now that they're older, they can take, you know, their life force, and she can have eternal youth, and they remain as, like, nasty little energy husks. Yes, exactly. Yeah, no, it's such a, it's such a wild concept, that just, like, works very well for this, like, very strange, like, horror porno. It's great. Yeah. Um, so they they start talking about their plans after they've fucked. Uh, and they, they need to... They essentially want to get to Connie, like, basically right before she's about to die. Because the... It's, it's a sweet spot, right? You want to push it long enough that you can consume... A long life having have having been lived, but if you push it too long, she's gonna die, and then you won't get access to any of it. Yeah, exactly. Like you want the most juice, if you will. That's right. Uh, but if you yeah. if you miss the boat, you miss the boat, and the whole ritual is then fucked. Like there, there, the yes. ritual can't be completed then, and that will have dire consequences for them if that happens. Yes, we don't know what those consequences are yet but it is clear that it's not just a matter of oh i won't get my promised uh yeah like there is an actual like negative consequence if they don't complete the ritual so like Mm -hmm. he's real like hey could you stop fucking around and just like can we just do this because i don't want to face those consequences and neither do you and she's you know she's still being very like coy about the whole thing she's just like oh don't be such a spoil sport oh it's not that bad oh we're just it's having be fine. fun and he's just like yeah well if this fun costs us this entire ritual uh <laughs> exactly it'll be your fault uh we also learn here that she has been putting on like makeup to make herself look older because she has been doing this like demonic packed ritual thing for a long time now she actually does have like kind of an eternal youth situation. So she does not look as old as she actually is. Yeah, like, so, she should look like she's in, like, her, you know, 90s, but she looks like she's 30, so she has to put on, like, all these prosthetics and uh, makeup and the whole shebang to, like, make herself look her actual, what her age is supposed to be. Yeah, so if she wants to do any, like, TV appearances or anything where people are going to recognize her for who she is, then she has to make herself look correct 
Otherwise, you know, the game will be up. So that's, I thought that was an interesting touch, you know, because she's putting on the kind of makeup that an old woman would put on to appear younger, but she's putting that on on top of prosthetics to make herself appear older. It's just, it's very neat. Yeah. She's she's clearly enjoying the performance to a certain degree. Yeah, oh, she's a total diva. She really enjoys being famous and being well-known and well-loved, and she likes doing all the interview circuits and putting on the crocodile tears and having all the attention. Mm-hmm. After that, we return to Connie. And Connie is still... She's, she's starting to remember some things. Yes. Yeah. So, pro- after this surgery has happened or this procedure her mind is really clearing up and she's starting to have flashbacks to her past and to her youth and when she was a star on this show and she's remembering some of the things that all of them had done you know some moments with her and her co-stars uh behind the scenes in their trailer so she remembers this time when they were all hanging out together backstage and Rhonda brings out uh, a hookah and they're doing some drugs. They're having some drinks. They're just, uh, you know, relaxing. Yeah. But the relaxing starts to get a little weird. And suddenly some of her co-stars start like making out. And that's a little strange. She's not really that kind of girl. You know, she doesn't have casual sex. But they're all kind of doing it, and, you know, she has this memory of all of them, and it turns into this orgy, but she doesn't really remember all of the orgy, but then there was a man there, and they all had sex with him, and it's very vague in her memory, but it's a weird thing that happened. Yeah, like, there's a real sense of, like, when she's remembering, there's a sense of, like, she didn't really want to participate, but she sort of felt compelled to like she was almost hypnotized um, or drugged yeah or like drugged or something like she felt very you know just look into the light and uh everything will be fine kind of thing like yes and suddenly the the orgy turns into this memory of all of them chanting the name azagon over and over and you know of course we as readers know that she she's remembering the demonic ritual that she was a part of all those years ago, yeah. right? And again, there's like a real sense of like, none of them were told that they were part of a demonic ritual. Uh, no. Only only Rhonda it was about that. <laughs> yeah, Rhonda was the one who like brought out the hookah, probably had something in it that they didn't know about, probably drugged them, and then instigated this <clears throat> sex orgy turned demonic ritual thing. Uh, thus sealing all of their fates. Yes. yes. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Which, I, I just love this as, like, a great setup for a horror story. Oh, yeah, it's great. Especially considering that none of the other girls uh, were super aware of it or super remembered it. Yeah, yeah, like, when, when Connie's talking, about, like, recalling it, there's this very, like, strong sense of, like, yeah, that was really weird, and I, like, I don't that even like really like there's a sense of, like yeah that did happen right like like it's all very dreamlike yes it has a very dreamlike quality to it for mm-hmm. sure and i believe it yeah it ends with uh with connie remembering that by the end of it she was screaming and that's that's just where that's where that memory fades out so 
It's very sinister. It has a great, like, creepy, shivers-down-your-spine kind of vibe to it. Yeah, the uh, the author really does such a great job of having, like, the, this sense of, like, yeah, that's not right, is it, huh? <laughs> Everything's just yeah. very uh, left to center where you're just like, that, that's not right. Something something. The whole weird. thing keeps you very off-kilter. Yeah, like, yeah. you're never really sure what isn't right, only that it isn't. Yeah, exactly. Which I personally love in a horror story where you're like, nothing, nothing like outrightly horrifying is necessarily happening, but you know something's happening, you just don't know what it is. Like, you can Mm -hmm. tell something's happening, but you don't know what that something is, and it's unsettling, and I love that. I also love this detail that Azagon's cum is (laughs) green-tinted. Like, what what is this, like the the slime from Ghostbusters? (laughs) <laughs> it's it's great yeah it's great um so we cut to the present again um with azagon and Rhonda, and they're kind of arguing more about this like he he's like yeah we really need to get this done now um yeah he is very much like can we stop fucking around she could die like any day now and i'm not i don't want to like lose all of our hard work because you wanted to, you know, play pretend for a little bit longer. Yes, and I, I just like the okay. There's still like these small details. Well, they're they're sitting there and they're talking. They're like having an argument. But as the there's details, like Azagon picked at a scab on his leg, loosening a dribble of inky fluid. Like throughout all of these scenes with him, we do just get this sense that he is disgusting. Yeah, yeah. Like there's a sense that like this man is rotting where he sits like yes yes he is and i don't i don't oh, know if that's just it's great. if like that's how he always is or if it's just because he's like in the mortal realm uh it, we never really oh, find maybe. out we never really find out but i do just love like he's just sitting there being gross <laughs> we also find out that she's got the bodies of the other co-stars like connie is the last one yeah and she's got the rest of them there at her, like, uh, uh, house. And they're just, like, sitting around. They're alive, technically, but they're vacant husks. Like, he just, like, s- sips from them all the time. Like, keeps them drained. Yeah, like, they're like, they're like a juice pack. Like a Capri they're Sun. They're like a juice pack. <laughs> a Capri Sun. Except it's human uh, life force and vitality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, uh, like, they're shriveled <laughs> up human Capri Suns. Yeah, or like, great. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, also the fact that like it's it heavily implied that they are still aware, like they can see things, they can still experience things, they just can't really move or talk or do anything. Yeah, yeah like so, they're they're still present within those husks. So yes. that's another level of just uh, like, haha, wow, <laughs> isn't this horrific? Mm. Yeah, and the fact that she like likes to make them watch her fuck this horrible, disgusting, demonic creature is, like, wild. I love it, though. How- it's so... <laughs> Rhonda is just such a good villain. She's so horny. She's a, she's a great and villain. And unapologetic. And loves, like, taunting them and being... Like, she gets off on, like, making them... Like, her... T- her dead co-stars, who aren't fully dead, uh, watching her have sex with this man with the vitality she stole from them. Like, 
God. Yeah. What what a move. What a villain. Yeah, what a what a villain. She's such a sadist. She's absolutely nasty. Yeah. Um and I love that for her. Like what a great villain. Yeah. She's fantastic. I adore uh, her as a villain. She's <laughs> so, yeah. so fun. I just I cannot like stress this enough. She is so fun as a villain. Yeah, well, and every time we like hear her talking out loud to other people, you get like herself as she puts on an act, and then we also hear her internal monologue that completely contradicts everything she's saying out loud, which is just so fun, right? Because she'll be saying something like, "Oh, I loved my co-stars; they were wonderful," and then internally she's like, "Those fucking bitches, I hate it." (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I could kill them a second time, I would. Uh, yeah, uh, well, I was supposed to be the star and they stole my spotlight. How dare they? Yeah. Like, it's so, it's f- so full of, like, ironic comedy mm-hmm. uh, to to counteract the, like, horrible horror aspects yeah. that it's like, yeah, it's so charming. It is. It, it, it's one of those things where it's, like, it's really hard to sort of, like, explain why <laughs> it's so charming when, like, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah so there's read this it. guy with pustules, but also this is a charming book, uh, which, like, those don't seem to go together, but they do. It's, like, a horror comedy. It, it's erotic. It's sexy. It's funny. It, it's so... It's just so many good things. It's so many good yeah. things. I... I just really love this book. Or novella. And here, <laughs> this novella. Uh, well, okay, so here's one of the things that I also really appreciate about this book is just the open depiction of like old women and their sexuality. Yeah. Like elderly ladies who still have like vibrant sex drives. And that's just not something that you see a lot of. I think, and, and I think that's, I haven't ever seen any of the Golden Girls, but I, from what I know of it, I believe that's probably like a huge part of its appeal as well. Yeah, I mean the the thing about the Golden Girls uh, was that it was incredibly progressive for its time, and in many ways still is. Um, I was going to say yeah, there are things that obviously haven't probably aged the best, uh, and a lot of those are probably due to TV execs. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, like a lot of the what made the Golden Girls, I think, so special was, like, you had these four, like, middle-aged women who, on TV, would be considered past their prime, who yeah. lived, like, these very, like, vibrant uh, lives. They were having sex. They were going on dates. They were, you know, doing things that, you know, if you consider the time period that the show came out, like, if you even saw a woman who was, like, past 30... Uh, you would be considered lucky, and if she was past 30 on TV, she was playing a mother or grandmother. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, well, yeah, because, uh, don't, don't you know women just, like, shrivel up the second they hit 30? Well, yeah, you turn 31, and you're basically 100, so... Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, like, um, and, and so, like, you had this show that came out that was about, you know, a bunch of women in, like, their 40s or their 50s who you know, were going on dates, who were having casual sex, who were, um, you know, just, like, living these very full and vibrant lives. Uh, and talking and about talking sex. And talking about sex very openly without any shame or sense of, like, this is immoral and wrong had 
uh, an entire cast that was all women, which, again, wonderful, especially for the time period. Yeah. And, like, tackling, you know, some some pretty heavy topics, too, uh, of the day. And, like, I, I remember there was, like, one episode where uh, one of the women, you know, confronts her doctor about, you know, uh, how doctors, like, how he didn't take her health problem seriously because she's a woman, which is so relevant still, unfortunately. But, you know, mm-hmm. it's things like that where, like, the the show wasn't afraid to go into, like, these very real, very, like, heavy places while also keeping things light. And it was about, you know, friendship and it was about family and, uh, you know, some, some of the women, like, one of the women was divorced. Uh, two of them were widows. You know, the, there's, you know, the, the whole issue of, like, is it okay for me if I, like, be with another man now that my husband is dead? You know, like, things like that. It was it was a really unique and wonderful show, and uh, a lot of it still holds up. And I feel like this book really sort of captures a lot of that same energy and that same uh, sort, sort of mentality of older women living real lives, having a sex drive, yeah. having, you know, a desire to be loved and cared for and seen as beautiful and desirable. And, like, that doesn't actually change as you get older. Yeah, it turns out um, <clears throat> older people and older women, even, uh, do still have libidos and do still talk about sex and like sex and all of all of these different things and you know I, this book is obviously very tongue in cheek and it's a this fantastical horror concept about demonic packs but it gives us characters that are old women f- for whom sex is still a relevant topic and i just really love that and i i find it very compelling especially in today's day and age why well, okay i shouldn't say today's day and age always <laughs> on in media in all days and ages uh where you have this like super obsession with youth yeah you know all the tv shows are about people who are in their early to mid 20s and not much more than that yeah like if if you get shows where like people are above 30 it's like <gasps> it's a niche I concept know. now yeah 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 if your characters are over thirty, it's like oh, it's a it's an it's a show that is for a different demographic, not the mainstream. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. um, <laughs> you're like oh, Downtown Abbey. That's what my mom watches, right? Yeah. That's not what most people watch. That's what old people watch. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, it's just kind of refreshing to me to see any of these kinds of shows or books especially in like erotica that have older characters yeah. being very blatant and upfront about their libidos and their sex lives. Uh, and I, another thing I also like, uh, enjoy, um, and we haven't really gotten to it yet in the story is like, they don't really shy away from like things like a, an older woman having, you know, maybe sag your breasts or having wrinkles. Mm-hmm. Or, yes. Know, and, but like, it's never shown in this, like... Like, it didn't feel fetishy, you know? No, it, no, it, it didn't. It just felt, it like... It felt very earnest in its, like, appreciation. Yeah, it felt earnest in its appreciation, like, yeah, and that's still beautiful. And you're like, yes, you're right, it is beautiful. I love yeah. that. 
Yeah. So, so yeah, so we, we move on to, to Connie and she's still like, she's recovering. She's, you know, dancing a little jig in her room and the nurses are scurrying to be like, Oh no, you can't do that. Please get back in bed. And she's like, I feel great. Yeah. Connie's (laughs) like, I haven't felt this good in like 40 years. And they're like, that's nice. Yeah. Get back in bed. (laughs) Um, but Terry is meanwhile really wanting to visit her because he has heard that she she made it through the procedure. She is still alive, unlike he feared. Yeah, and he's like, he's very happy about this, but he's also like, oh, I, you know, I want to go see her. I want to make sure she's okay. Like, I want to see it with my own eyes kind of thing. And like, he knows, like, she didn't really get any visitors when she was in a home. So he's like, well, she doesn't have any family that's going to come visit her. And so he's like, I'll, I'll, you know, maybe, maybe it's like, I don't, he's like, I don't know if it's appropriate, but like, I feel like I need to just like make sure she's okay because he spent, you know, several years now looking after her in, mm-hmm. in the nursing home and he cares about her. So he's like, I'm just going to go check. Uh, I'm not going to like make it weird. I'm just going to go make sure she's okay. See how she's doing. But he definitely... He definitely makes it weird, though, because uh, he decides he's going to have to sneak in, which is so funny because, like, he actually lampshades this himself as he's, like, formulating this plan and he's enacting this plan to sneak in and pretend that he works there. Uh, At one point, he's just like, wait, why didn't I just ask them if she could have visitors? Yeah, yeah. Why why am I a dumbass? Uh, (laughs) Which... Have you ever done something, like, super elaborate and then realized afterwards that there was a much easier way you could have done it? And that and that <laughs> you didn't even need to actually do anything weird at all? Yeah, yeah, right? Like, I, I feel like that's pretty relatable. Yeah, Ter- Terry gets it and he's just like, wait a fucking second, she's allowed to wait have a visitors. <laughs> like, like, why? Yeah, my dude, why? I don't why? know why you thought you had to, like, lie and sneak in like a creeper. Yeah, like... And he knows. He knows that what he's doing is weird, and he's like, gosh dang it, why did I do it this way? Yeah, yeah, like, he goes in being like, oh, yeah, uh, I need her to sign some papers or something. Oh, yeah, that's what he does. He's like, oh, we needed her to sign a few more documents, Um, and the receptionist is just like, oh, you can leave them with us. He's like, no, no, I will take them to her. Eyes looking around furtively. Don't mind me. And you're just <laughs> like, like, buddy, you've just been like, yeah, I'm here to see her. I'm a visitor. Yeah, that's, and he realizes yeah. this, uh, which I think is just very funny and cute. Yeah. Terry, Terry's adorable. He is. He is a, he is a sweet, a sweet, cute boy. But he, he does make his way in there at the same time that Rhonda and Azagon are trying to make their way in there too so that they can like uh kidnap her and turn her into another Capri Sun. Uh, <laughs> Rhonda is stuck in an elevator though, um with a doctor that is like chatting her ear off about the the, perso- the, the procedure. The procedure. Yes. Where he says um how does he describe it? He says they inject placental tissue and amniotic fluid from some kind of African hippo, which I'm like, yeah, okay, I don't, I don't know how medically accurate that is. I, I mean, placental tissue and amniotic fluid, sure. Uh, isn't that where we get like stem cells? I am clearly not a scientist. We're, we're, it's one of those things where you're just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not fully explained, so we're just going to hand wave it. It's fine. Something, something, science. Yeah, something sciencey, sciencey. Uh, the point of this scene is not the science behind this, but uh, Rhonda being very annoyed 
that this man will not fucking stop talking because he's just droning on and on and he's like just very obnoxious yeah and like you know oblivious to the fact that she clearly does not want to be talking to him yeah 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 exactly she's like oh my god Uh, shut up (laughs) i i will kill you myself like not having not having a fun time while this guy is like i'm a doctor it it's a cute way to deliver both exposition and also just like demonstrate Rhonda's character yeah. it's fun yeah Rhonda's like oh my god i fucking hate this man yeah like ex- externally she's doing the whole polite like uh-huh yeah wow that's oh, so fascinating interesting you know you know that thing uh <laughs> that you do we We've all done yeah, it. Yeah, we've all done it. Where, like, someone's like, yeah, I'm gonna keep talking. You're like, I don't want to talk to you. Please stop. Please free me. Free me from this hell. Uh, yeah. What's, uh, that's, that's what's that, that, you know that meme where, like, the guy is talking in, in the girl's ear in a club, and she's got this look on her face, like, oh my gosh, will he please shut up? Yeah. And then people, like, put whatever long-winded expos- expository mm-hmm. things text in there i feel like this this is that me yeah yeah Rhonda right now is that girl in the club it's yeah. great she's just like <laughs> i just wanted to have a drink but here i am learning the entire history of like this stupid experimental procedure yeah, about hippos that comes Lucenda. from hippos yeah, <laughs> yeah. um we do learn, though, here that it is, like, a series of injections, and she has to keep getting them over a period of time, otherwise it'll stop working, blah, blah, blah. So we, we get that kind of information from the scene as well. Yes. Yeah. Um, but she gets out of the... Mercifully, the doctor gets called away to go see to something. And she and Azagon make their way into Connie's room, and... Connie is awake and looking very much in her right mind. So she's like just talking to her as Azagon gets closer and closer to her. And then he jabs in the talon. And as he's doing this, who should walk in again but Terry? And this time Terry's like, okay, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, uh, you're clearly like fucking hurting her. What are, what is going on here? Yeah, because... This is not, you know, a fun and enjoyable experience for her, so. Yeah, so Terry rushes to her aid and, like, wrestles Azagon off of her, and uh, in the process of which Azagon's, like, taloned, clawed finger snaps off in uh, in Connie's, still impaled in Connie. Yeah. Um, And this will be important. But during the altercation, poor, poor darling Terry is killed. Yeah. Uh, Azagon stabs him in the forehead with the broken off finger. That's right. He does do that. That's what happens. He stabs him through the head with the broken finger. And I think they just, like, dump him outside or something. Yeah, they they dump him somewhere. Well, they... No. No, they don't dump him. They leave him. Azagon pretends... Well, they leave him there. Yeah, Azagon pretends to be someone. So, uh, Terry gets taken to the that's right. Oh, and Rhonda has this big story where, like, she came in to visit her friend and someone was attacking her and uh, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So Rhonda fucks off. Azagon fucks off. I think they, they have to separate for a little bit. And Terry does get taken to the morgue with a demon finger stuck through his head. As you do. Our poor Terry. Yeah. Not having a good day. Our poor son. No. Uh, I mean, he's dead, so. Yeah, that's usually a pretty good indicator that you're having a bad 
Yeah, uh, good days don't really end with you dying. Generally speaking, no. Generally. I, I would say that's, that's probably true. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> uh, Terry wakes up in the morgue. Uh-huh, he sure does. And he's like, oh man, I have a headache. Wait a minute, aren't I dead? And I don't think dead people usually get headaches. And he starts to hear this voice. <laughs> And this is, like, one of the most fun aspects of this book. Because the finger, Azagon's finger, has its own fucking personality and pretty much, like, animated him. So Terry is a zombie now, being animated by this demon finger that is stuck in his forehead. Yes. And I don't know what voice this finger is supposed to have, because he he uses some, like, lingo that I'm like, I feel like there should be an accent here, but I don't know what. I'm not familiar enough. I I think my brain gave it sort of, like, an Australian or, like, New Zealand kind of accent. Yeah, maybe? Or maybe British. Maybe, yeah. Something like that. Uh, I wasn't sure what, so I just read it uh, without one. But, yeah, it's... This finger is so funny. Like, <laughs> and all of its dialogue uh, is so, so crass and hilarious and flippant. And, like, also very much, like, look, I'm trying to help you here. But, uh-huh. And does, in fact, like, take over Terry's body a couple times to be like, look, you're, uh, you're, you're being a little too wishy-washy. We're going to get killed. Uh, so I'm just gonna yeah. borrow your body, punches man in the face. Okay, you can continue now. And Terry's just, like, yelling, I'm sorry, it wasn't me! As he's, like, running away. Yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, so <laughs> the finger tells him that he's basically animating him. Terry gets up, par- not always on his own, uh, his own, um, volition. Um, but the the finger's like, okay... First things first, we got to get you some clothes because you are hella naked. Um, They go out into the hall and he runs into this guy. How do they even start talking to this guy? Oh, yeah. Okay. So this man is in the hall and they've they've stolen like um, Uh, the hospital uh, doctors. A doctor's coat. Yeah. A hospital. Yeah, they've stolen a doctor's clothes. So this guy thinks that he's a doctor and is like, hey, man, when do I get to see my girl? Blah, blah, blah. And from some of the things this guy says, it becomes quickly very apparent that this man, this man's girlfriend is here in the hospital because he beat her or pushed her downstairs. So uh, the finger in Terry's head uh, takes over his body to push him down the stairs, which is, you know, I can't, I can't feel too bad for that. Guy. I don't feel bad for him at all. I'm just like, fine. Like, oh, is he still alive? Shame. You should have found a second flight of stairs. Right? Throw, throw him down again. No, he did kill him. Okay, good. I think he did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so. And Terry's like, uh, WTF, and the finger's like, look, he deserved it. And you know what? Yeah, That's right. Who, who fucking cares? Um, I just feel so his clothes. Terry... <laughs> Terry strips that guy so he has some, like, casual clothes to wear outside, and they fuck off. And the finger's like, okay, so we're gonna go, like, uh, rescue your girl, right? And he's like, my girl? And the finger's like, yeah, you know, the old lady. So 
we we get the first i mean it's not the first it's been kind of foreshadowed but like the idea is here that terry and connie are probably gonna get together which that's an age gap yeah and i'm here for it Uh, yeah i'm not i'm not mad at it terry is what in his early 20s uh, I think he might be a bit older than that. A bit older than like, that? He, like, but, but like, like, not by a lot. He's, like, 20s or 30s. Like, he's not that old, you know? No, not at all. Um, and I I think that's, I think that's swell, actually. Yeah. Good for him. Because the thing is, he still thinks she's beautiful, and I That's that. right! I love that! He had a crush on her when uh, he was a teen, and, you know, now he's rescuing her from demons. As you do. As, as you do. Um, we find out here that the, the, <laughs> the finger, the demon finger has a name. It's, <laughs> its name is Zorbus Chorbus. <laughs> Which, yeah. Which, yeah, that, that seems Amazing. Correct. Yeah. That, I love everything about this. It's so fucking funny. It's so fun to read. Yeah. Uh, the, the authors definitely have uh, a wonderful sense of humor. They must have had a blast writing this. I hope they had a blast writing this. I certainly this. had a blast reading it, so I have to assume they had uh, a blast yeah. writing it. <laughs> right, exactly. So, with Zorbus Chorbus in tow, uh, they go and they rescue Connie. And he's like, he wakes her up, and she's like, well, what's going on? Uh, and he's like, well, we, we gotta get out of here. You are in danger here. Your ex-co-star is after you. There was, like, a man with her who was trying to kill you. Like, we gotta... I, I need to rescue you. We gotta get out of here. Yeah. Because at this point, Zervis uh, Drobis has sort of, like, explained the situation to him of, like, yes. what they're trying to do. And he's like, okay, we have to... We gotta jet. Because if I leave her here, they're gonna come back and kill her. Yes. He's, exactly. He's also, like, a part of him is also hesitant, though, because he is aware that, like... Well, he's not, like, he... he has the feeling like, oh, but I don't know how this treatment works. If I take her out, will this, like, fuck it all up? Uh, which it will, but, like, he's like, well, it's gonna get fucked up if she's dead, too, so. Exactly. Well, I mean, and not even just dead, because if uh, Azagon gets his hands on her, it's a fate worse than well, that, yeah, right? That's so, true. so he's like, I have to rescue her, uh, from this happening. So he's, like, getting her out of the hospital. The security guards start chasing them. I don't remember at what point, but he gets a gun at some point. And he's not running to use the gun, but Zorbus Jorbus kind of takes over to, like, make him wield this gun. Yeah, he's just like, which just, is very funny. just let me borrow your arm for a second. Goink, raises gun, fires. Let's go! <laughs> yeah, we get these scenes where Terry is, like, profusely apologizing to the people he shoots as he's shooting them. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's like, his his mouth still works, but his arm is on his control. He's just like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, yeah. I'm, sorry I'm sorry. Bang, 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 I'm sorry. I didn't want to do that. Ah! <laughs> sorry. <laughs> it's so great. Uh, it's, it's very, it's very funny. Yeah, it's fantastic. Huh, I, I love everything about this mm-hmm. book. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, we, we cut then to Rhonda, and Rhonda is kind of laying low now. So is Azagon, somewhere else. She doesn't know where he is. Yeah. They haven't met back uh, up yet. He, he is, uh, very grumpy about this, because he's just like, we could have finished this already if you weren't, like, fucking around so much. 
trying to like you know be playing the game if you like. He could have already been. Yeah, and now he has. He, now he has to regrow his his finger because that's gone, and it's it's the one finger that is basically a straw that he uses. Yeah. Uh, so without without the funnel finger, he can't do the thing anymore. Yeah. So he has to regrow that before they can try again. And it takes like I think like several weeks or something. Something like that. And in the meantime, she knows that uh, Connie is maybe now wise to them and will be trying to escape as she is. Yeah. So she's like, okay, we have to, like, go get her and whatever. Um, but, of course, Connie's already gone. And she's like, well, that's fine. Yes. They'll come here. Why are they going to come here? To find answers. To find answers. I'm trying to remember why why they need answers. Because she wants... Why, why wouldn't you just stay on the run? Uh, because she wants to know what she did to her. And co co oh. co-workers. Well, that's a good question. What did you do to us? Yeah, because, like, at this point... Connie's kind of remembering that, like, something bad happened. And uh-huh. It involved a demon and an orgy. Yeah. And she's, like, very, you know, maybe if I just talk to her. And Terry's like, oh, yeah, I'm sure just talking to her is going to go swimmingly. But she's like, yeah, but I need to know, like, why she did that. Uh, Do you? Yeah, right. You're just like, I don't... So, like, they're on the run, heading towards Rhonda's yeah, uh, and meanwhile we do get this like lovely little uh, masturbation interlude where uh, Rhonda is imagining Azagon fucking Connie. Rhonda is just a nasty little bitch. Yeah, I <laughs> love her. It's great. Uh, so she good. Really, she really gets off on the suffering of others, which like, yeah. She does. <laughs> yeah, love that for yeah, her. Yeah, love that for you. You absolute monster. <laughs> Uh, so we, we cut back to Terry and Zorbus Torbus as they are traveling. Um, I think first they're going to Connie's house. Yes. Connie has a house still, um, and she's like, we can go, we can go there for now. But they're needing to, like, switch cars, I guess. Uh, yeah, because obviously, uh, as far as the hospital's concerned, he just kidnapped the patient. Yeah. Uh, so there's, you know, there's a slight chance that there could be law enforcement trying to, you know, track down uh, a little old lady and her kidnapper. Well, he did shoot a bunch he of people, too. He also did shoot so... a bunch of people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they need they need uh, new clothes and new cars. So they stop at, like, a gas station to get, like, a hat and stuff for, for them. And turns out that Connie knows how to hotwire a car. Which, yes, Queen, we'd love that for you. Let's go. Fuck yeah. And they're very tongue-in-cheek with how that bit is written when she's, like, hot-wiring this car because she, you know, talks about, like, her handling the, sh- the, s- the stick and stuff like that. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it feels very much like uh, innuendos, which I think is just very fun and cute. Yeah. I also just like, so they get a little bit flirty here. Um, like... Because Terry's like, you can hotwire a car? That's kind of hot. And she answers, well, I used to be kind of hot in my time. You yeah, know, yeah. like, she's, like, kind of giggling with him, kind of flirting with him. Yeah. And he's he's getting flustered because this is his childhood crush. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's really cute. It's like, they have such good chemistry. Oh, God. I love their relationship. I, it's so sweet. I could read, like, an entire novel of just them being cute together. And, and like, uh, because of whatever Rhonda did to her slash the treatment, like, you know, 
she has gotten some of like her youthful vitality back, like her her teeth are reappearing. Uh, she's less aging. Yes. You know, some of her hair has grown back, kind of thing. Uh, so like she she's looking she's looking pretty good. She's looking pretty good for an old girl, and uh, she's feeling really good. And Terry's just like, oh yeah, that crush I had as a kid, <laughs> still there. Yeah, yeah. Turns out, turns out, still kind of really into her. And of course, she she's just like sweet and charming, and he's very like, oh, oh, she's so gorgeous and so like special, and I I just I just love it. Yeah, these moments between them are very cute, and the the chemistry is written so well. And, and I, I also really love it just in contrast to the very antagonistic, hate-fucky relationship between Rhonda and Azagon. Mm-hmm. And then we have this very sweet, wholesome relationship between uh, Connie and Terry. Yeah. That just kind of like the two relationships kind of act as counterbalances to each other in this book, which I find really, really compelling. Yeah. Really interesting. Yeah. And I, I also just like, I, I really... I like the age gap. Yeah, it's cute. Uh, I, I like that it's, you know, this much older woman with this much younger man, but, like, they find a lot of, like, joy and comfort with each other. Yeah. And with age gaps, you usually see it the other way around, right? Yeah. Like, you see lots of, like, young girl with an older man, but you don't see a lot of the the inverse. Yeah. And this is just, it's really cute, actually. Yeah, it's really cute. It's very refreshing. And... And they're just, like, they're such a good couple. Yeah, they are. And again, like, I really love this, uh, this idea of this old, older lady who is still being seen as beautiful and desirable yeah. and attractive by this young man. Uh, it's, it's so lovely. It is. And, like, they're having fun together, which I really like. Yeah, they do. They have fun. They goof off. They joke around with each other. It's sweet. It is. It's so good. Listeners, it's so good. <laughs> It's so good. Um, so they get to Connie's house. Uh, she brings him inside. Everything's just where she left it. Uh, it's been like maintained over the years by her estate, you know, because she still has lots of money, even though she was in a home. Yeah. They talk a little bit about the situation. Uh, and he kind of tells her what's going on, right? Yeah. Like what, what Rhonda and Azagon are trying to do as what Zorbus Chorbus told him. So they're like, okay, how are we gonna, how are we gonna fix this? After they go to, they go to sleep and the next morning, um, Terry starts having this conversation with Zorbus Torbus in his head where Zorbus is like basically encouraging him to go for it and, uh, try to see if he can get lucky with, um, with Connie. And he's like, oh, I don't know. Like... I don't think there's a chance she would like me. And Zorbus is like, come on, man, you're great. Why wouldn't she like you? Yeah, he is like the ultimate wingman. Holy shit. <laughs> he is. He super is. And uh, and he's remembering this time. He's like telling Zorbus about this time when he was a teenager and he masturbated to one of the, one of the scenes in the Stuck Together show where Connie was wearing this lacy lingerie. Which, um, that's, that's just really cute, though. Yeah, and, like, just some sort of, like, reminiscing about, like, how much, like, that show meant to him, how much the character meant to him, and, like, his sexual awakening as, you know, a young man, um, and how, like, to him, like, she's one, like, she's the most beautiful woman he's ever seen kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, it's really, it's really cute. Yeah. And 
in kind of in the middle of this conversation, um, Connie comes out and she is kind of like, kind of wanting to fuck. Yeah, Connie is kind of like into it and like, yes, girl, you get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she's coming on to him, and then Zorbus in Terry's head is like, I got this. Don't worry about it. I'm going to give you a boner so you can go do this. <laughs> Again, best wingman <laughs> ever. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I love okay, I love I love this this bit here. What Terry began before turning the word into a clearing of his throat. He thought at the voice in his head, "What the hell is that? It's called a hard-on man, a boner, a tentpole, a woody, stiffy, chubby. It's an erection. Don't you remember health class? But why do I have one?" he thought. "I'm dead, right?" It's just <laughs> I'm sorry, that is so funny to me. Like, him getting ready to, like, go have sex with this lady, and then, like, the zombie finger in his head, like, helping him out, being like, don't worry, I'll, I'll make sure you can get it up. And I'm like, yeah, he's like, don't worry, I got you, bro. <laughs> All of this, so fucking funny. It's so good. It's so good. Oh, it's great. It's great. Um... Yeah, so they they have sex for the first time, and it starts off, it's a little bit awkward, but it's sweet, too, because they both really like each other. And Terry's kind of admitting to her how much of a crush he had on her when he was a kid, and she's wearing some lingerie that kind of reminds him of that episode that was, like, so hot to him when he was a teen. Yeah. And it's it's so it's so sweet and again it's in such contrast to the really rough gross sex that Rhonda and azagon have and here we just have like really really sweet loving like affectionate sex yeah i'm like one of the other things i really sort of love about uh Terry and connie is that like he is like absolutely determined to make her feel good like he doesn't yes. even care if he gets off. He's like, no, I want her to feel like as beautiful and special and wonderful as she is, and is like, like giving his all to like make sure that like she gets off. Yeah, yeah, it's it's lovely, and um, and like it's really interesting because it's like reading the scene from because it's all from her point of view is like you really get the sense of like this is like the first time a man has done that for her. Yeah, like, I don't, he goes down on her at one point, and I think she is, she does say this the first time someone's gone down on her. Yeah. Or, or if not the first time, it was the first time that someone was, like, really enthusiastic about it. Yeah, so, like, she's having, like, the best sex of her life, and he's getting to, yes. like, have this, you know, younger self uh, fantasy fulfillment. But also with someone that, like, he genuinely does care about her because he actually knows her as a person now. Yes. And it it is, like, it's romantic, it's cute, it is so sweet. Uh, it, it, it's really, it's, honestly, it's really quite beautiful, their relationship. I love it so much. Yeah, I, so I thought much. it was very, very beautifully written. Mm-hmm. And... Well, all the sex with uh, Rhonda and Azagon is described with very, like, very crass obscenity. Um, well, you have the scene, the scene with uh, Connie and Terry, and it's described so tenderly. Like, 
It says, if Connie's mouth had been warm melted chocolate, her cunt was boiling caramel. Terry sank into her sighing as she swallowed him inside. And I'm like, that, it just, it makes this picture of something a lot more, like, pleasant and delicious and lovely rather than all the grossness <laughs> of Rhonda. Yeah, there are uh, no pustules in this one. <laughs> <laughs> There's no pustules, uh, despite the fact that he is literally a zombie. But, you know, yeah. mm, I I just really love that contrast. Mm-hmm. The fact that the book has both of that kind of sexual components uh, balancing against each other is just really cool. Yeah, I, I think it's very clever, too. Yeah, it's very clever. Uh, yeah, so they have a lovely time. And we cut back to Rhonda and Azagon. Azagon has been absent for several days. And Rhonda has been a bit annoyed about that because she didn't know where the fuck he was. He's making her a bit so, antsy. He's like, oh, is that unpleasant for you? Mm. Uh, do not like having, uh, not knowing how things are going to go. Hmm? Hmm? <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> Yeah, so uh, they they have another bit of a fight, uh, more of an argument, really. They're tense. They're like kind of snarky at each other. But Azagon is pretty sure that Connie and Terry are going to come to them. Uh, and so Rhonda's like, "All right, we'll do this your way. We'll wait for them to come to us." And uh, and <clears throat> Azagon basically tells her, "Like, hey, by the way, just so you know, if we don't get her." Uh, the contract is going to be ruined and this is going to end badly for both of us. And she's like, well, so I'll just start aging like normal again. That's fine. I've already got like 30 extra years. Like it's not that big a deal if I have to, you know, I'd be sad, but if I have to start aging normally, whatever, no harm, no foul. And he's like, oh, no, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) That's not what the consequence will be. (laughs) Yeah, that's not what's going to happen. He doesn't tell her what's going to happen, just that, like, it's going to be real bad. Yeah, you get you get the sense, because, like, he's like, what is it, something like, the contract will be renegotiated? Mm-hmm. And you get the sense that you don't want your contract to be renegotiated, because whatever happens is, basically, you suffer and get nothing but bad. Yes, it's going to be, it's going to be a fate worse than death. Yeah. Uh <laughs> So that that's that's very fun. That's a fun little moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Don't worry about yeah. it. So uh, you'll be fine. Rhonda's now worrying about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, where she wasn't before, she's suddenly very stressed about this. Now she's like, "Oh fuck!" Like, okay, well, that puts a bit of a damper on things, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we come back to Connie and Terry, and Terry has been sleeping so much. After they had sex, it seems like he just, he's so dopey. He's so tired. Um, and it turns out that Connie can also siphon uh, vitality from someone via sex. She wasn't aware of this at the time. Yeah. Uh, um, and and it, Which is kind of good for her in the sense that it's like what's keeping her still functional. Yeah, because we were starting to see that a lot of the vitality she had regained after the procedure, she was was starting to go away, right? She had had this wonderful stretch of time where she was in no pain whatsoever, but now the arthritis was coming back. Now she was forgetting things a little bit more. 
So after she has sex with Terry, she's got it back again. She's like back at uh, on her game. But Terry is really tired, really sleepy. And I think that Zorbis is the one that explains to Terry and then he explains to Connie that if they have sex, she will drain some of his vitality from him. And he's okay with this. He's like, that's fine. Yeah. You know, it's like, I, I'm already got- dead. Like, I'm already on fire time. Uh, I'm not going to, like, exactly. this is, my body's not going to last forever. So, like, if this means you can have a happy life, uh, I'm fine with that. She feels bad about it. She's like, I didn't know this was what was going to be happening. I probably wouldn't have done it if I'd known it was going to hurt you. And he's like, no, 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 it's fine. I had a great time. I really loved it. Um, and it helped you. So, win-win. Yeah. yeah, he's like, I got to, like, have the best experience of my entire fucking life. What is there to be sad about? Like. <laughs> He's really such a sweetheart. Harry's a good boy. He's such a good boy. It's it's so nice. It's so nice. And, you know, he's talking to her and he's like, listen, I'm technically already dead. So, and she's like, don't talk like that. Because she doesn't want him to die, die, to perma die. Yeah. But he's like, listen, it's it's going to happen at some point. Yeah. I am definitely working on borrowed time yeah. here. Because, uh, like, the power in service corpus is eventually going to run out. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, e- exactly. even if he wasn't doing that, like, eventually he will just be dead. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So he's, like, totally okay with this. He's like, if I can fuel you, uh, that's enough for yeah. me. He's like, I can I can die happy knowing that I helped. Yeah, exactly. And uh, and this this is actually where, you know, they have another sex scene and he goes down on her. And it's like just this amazing experience for Connie because like you said, like no one had ever really taken the time to take care of her sexually before. Um, And she like kind of reflects on the fact that, you know, she saved sex for marriage and then her husband really sucked and didn't really care about her. And uh, she just has had like very, very lackluster sexual experiences up until right now. And I just, I love this idea of this elderly woman finally getting to have a sexual partner that cares about her yeah. and her needs. Yeah. You know? I, I really love it. And especially because, like, I mean, that's such a common story for, I mean, women of any generation. Of, like, mm-hmm. Mary's man, man does not really care about her sexual needs, wants, desires. Uh, but she's stuck with him. Yeah. And like, and like the thing is for like anyone who's waited until marriage, who's never had any other sexual partner, uh, that might just be what you think sex is supposed to be like. That it's just like this miserable yeah. experience that you just have to get over with. Yeah, lie back and think of the Yeah, <laughs> very, very much. Uh, lie back, think of uh, King Country. So, you know, for, for her to actually get to have like a loving partner who is giving and caring um when she is in like her much later years uh it was really beautiful because like you know i don't think a lot of people get to have that and i love that an older woman got to be with someone you know and get to experience that despite the fact that like she's not long left on this earth (laughs) yeah exactly and this next chapter start is Rhonda and Azagon again. And di- so directly coming off of this very beautiful, loving sex scene, the next chapter opens with this line 
Do you like that, you freak? Rhonda said, inserting another finger into Azagon's asshole, bringing the grand total up to three. <laughs> like, the contrast is, is so great. <laughs> wild. I. Wild! I, look, I, well, here's the thing that I, I uh, really love is that I like both types of sex scenes equally, but for yes. very different reasons. Yes. Entirely, like the all the sex scenes with Rhonda are so nasty, and I'm like, yes, that's great. And all the sex scenes with Connie are so sweet, and I'm like, yes, that's great. Yeah, yeah. It's like every every time someone's having sex in this book, I'm just like, yes, I'm here for it. Despite, <laughs> Get it? Yeah, yeah. Despite <laughs> the fact that like they're so incredibly different, <laughs> they're they're so incredibly different. Um. And, you know, like, Azagon is described as having this, like, gnarled, knotted penis that is, like, just misshapen and grotesque. And Rhonda's into it. And I'm like, that, oh, it's so good. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really so great. It's so good. It's really great. Uh, like, all the, all the sex scenes are, are pretty hot, I think. So. Yeah, I think they're all written very well. Uh, I, I really loved all of them. Yeah, there's there's a lot to love about this book. Or novella. Yeah, yes. Um, so she does anal in this scene, which I think might be the first time we've seen someone get buttfucked in, uh, in this yeah. book. Yeah, so, so that's nice. If you like a variety of content, uh, Rhonda does do anal. Yeah, and you know what? It's good great. for her. Love that for mm. her. <laughs> uh, but Connie and Terry are getting closer. They are... Uh, seeking out Rhonda so they can get their answers. Terry is quite quite sleepy, but uh, he's he's managing. He's managing because Connie is Connie is like at her game. She's at full capacity, which is great because they have to get through this. Yeah. They have to get through this confrontation. So they arrive at Rhonda's and they're going to confront her. They didn't keep the guns. They're starting to regret not keeping the guns. Yeah. And you should. Which, I'm like, <laughs> you should. Uh, that was dumb of you. Why didn't you bring well, guns? Well, you see, the man thought he had to sneak into the hospital when he could have just been a visitor, <laughs> so... I think that, that might go to a lot true. to explain why they did not keep the guns. Yeah. But they, they arrive, and Connie is still of the mindset that she can just talk things out with Rhonda. Which, and she's like, girl. Rhonda's... <laughs> Rhonda's being very reasonable, and Rhonda's like, "Yes, come on in. We'll discuss this like adults." And uh, and Connie's like, "Okay, yeah, this can be resolved peacefully." And Terry's like, "Where's where's the demon? Where is he?" Terry's like, mm, "I don't and, trust this." <laughs> no, don't trust this at all. So they go inside, and yeah, of course, it's a fucking trap. Yeah, obviously. At Azagon, uh. Rhonda jumps Connie and Azagon is like facing off with Terry and he's like, this is fascinating. I didn't know my finger would do this. Yeah. Uh, I, th that's all new to me. Uh, how does that work? Yeah, how's that going <laughs> Which for is a cute you? little moment. <laughs> yeah. Why are you alive? Yeah, <laughs> how very interesting. I'm still going to kill yes. you, but I am interested. <laughs> yeah, like he's got like this scientific curiosity about that whole yeah. thing, which is yeah. great. They, they fight it out. There's this big action scene. Very climactic. Uh, Azagon yanks the finger out of his head, and Terry is down. Yeah. Terry, so now, Terry dies in that instance because there's nothing left animating his body. That's right. Yeah, his body is no longer being animated, which is very sad because I, I liked Terry a lot. And I kind of, 
Part of me wanted Endgame for this movie. This, movie, <laughs> uh, this book. <laughs> Part of me wanted the Endgame for this book to be uh, Terry and Connie uh, as zombie lovers forever, but unfortunately, yeah, yeah, unfortunately, it was not meant to be. Uh, we'll we'll just have to uh, we'll just have to fanfic that, <laughs> right? But there is this big moment where Connie and Rhonda are like fighting with each other. Again, this feels so death becomes. Oh her. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I really love that. Mm-hmm. The the fight goes into the bathroom where Rhonda has her uh, other other co stars kind of like hung up like like towels to dry. <laughs> yeah, like a like a, like it's a Capri Suns or like a, a blood bag, you know. Yeah, little blood blood bags. Yeah, so that's just like a very grotesque backdrop to this fight. So Connie ends up grabbing the funnel finger from Azagon, and she stabs Rhonda through the stomach with it. Now this <clears throat> this wasn't supposed to happen because this is the funnel finger, right? Mm-hmm. The the mystical claw, and yeah, uh, this. Well, it wasn't meant to to suck her life. Yep. So he's like, I don't know what effect that's going to have. Meanwhile, Connie has also been injured in this fight. Um, at some point she got like uh, her spine was like hurt yep. or injured. So she's also not doing so hot, but she does manage to get that killing blow. Rhonda, meanwhile, is like, okay, well, Azagon, I'm dying. So you have to do something. And he's, as we remember, uh, it's all about sex to to fuel this like vitality magic right Mm -hmm. so mid mid climactic battle sequence azagon whips his dick out and starts masturbating so that he can give her some like sex healing energy (laughs) which (laughs) which is like that's that's great uh I feel like more climactic battles need to end with someone furiously masturbating yeah 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 (laughs) but While he's doing this, at the very end, who should still have a little bit of life left in him but Terry, who crawls with the very last of his uh, energy over to Azagon, and he has a pair of scissors with which he, like, slices Azagon's dick off, uh, effectively killing him. Uh, and now he is no longer able to do anything. He has been completely incapacitated. And he, the circle of green flame comes up and drags him back to hell. Because obviously the can't, contract can't be fulfilled now. Because he doesn't have a and dick again. He needs a dick to do that. That's right. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh. And as a, he's all like yelling like, oh, I can still do it. Just give me more time. I can still do it. No. Uh, Connie is dying, Rhonda is dying, uh, and n- this contract is definitely not going to be fulfilled at the very end of this scene. Which means it's going to everybody be dies. renegotiated. That's right. Azagon is dragged back for renegotiations. And that's where that scene ends. And then we cut to an epilogue. And the epilogue is very interesting because the epilogue is a script. So there's been these scripts interspersed throughout all of it, and I haven't really gone over them because they're all just like really, they're cute, but they're just like snippets of the show, right? But this one is about 
the not the show characters but the actors Mm -hmm. but it's written as though the actors are in the show as themselves now so very very interesting to to postulate what is going on here however Within this script, we see this scene in the sh- quote-unquote show where all four... Is it four or is it five? I believe it's five. Whatever. I believe it is five. Five. The five women in this show have all been, like, merged and mutated together into one ginormous blob monster. And they're just, like, lumbering down the street. And it's still kind of written like it's a sitcom with, like, little quips and stuff that they're all making. But they're, like, this hideous, hulking creature. And everyone is running away from them, screaming as, like, they, like smash through houses and destroy the neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. And that... They're just like a fleshy monster of like five people, one fleshy body. Uh, Yeah, very very Akira, but with like multiple people. uh, And and it's interesting because none of them actually seem to be fully aware they are a giant fleshy monster, that this is a bad thing. Like, they all seem actually kind of happy about this. Yeah, again, because they're still just, like, this is still written like it's a sitcom, so they're just, like, quipping at each other and doing their usual sitcom thing. So, my question to you, uh, for this as an ending, do you think that, um, okay, here's my two two thoughts of what this ending means. Thought number one, uh, this is what happened to them, and then the script segment is just a a tongue-in-cheek representation of it. Or... Number two, they all got merged into a blob monster and transported to, like, a Pleasantville sort of, like, purgatory where they live within the script from now on. Oh, that's a good question. Like, do you think they're still in the real world, or are they in, like, this alternate universe script world now? Ooh, I'm not sure. I like both as options. Yeah. Um, although it would make sense, though, if it was sort of like, uh an afterlife, like, yeah, you're now trapped in, in whatever realm that, uh, as, as it goes, comes yeah. from. Um, yeah, this is your hell. Yeah, like, Congratulations. Yeah, like, now you get to be uh, a fleshy demon monster who does sitcom in hell. Forever. Yeah, like, that's your new job. And, like, the, the funny thing is, is that, like, when you're reading from, like, the perspective of, like, the five different women that actually seem to like see it as a punishment per se yeah well maybe maybe it's uh it's because they all uh loved being on that show so much that they're that this is just like a fitting end for them yeah like there's i don't know there's almost like a sense of like it isn't really an unhappy ending necessarily well it's not like it's it's an unhappy ending in the sense that like oh they didn't they didn't defeat the demon they just like something else happened to them instead. So it's not like it is a bad ending in that sense, but it's also not written to feel specific, particularly horrific to the reader. Yeah. Cause it's very like, silly. And well, like all of the women just seem to be like, Oh yeah, we're just going to work as you do as a blob monster. Yeah, like there, there's no, there's never any sense that they're like, Oh my God, we're a hideous beast. Like, Oh fuck. It's just a sense of like, oh yeah, now we're something new, and now we're like, we get to be together forever as best friends. Isn't that nice? Yeah. Uh, again, this feels very much to me like the ending of Death Becomes Her, where it's just like you're just stuck together uh, with this person that you have this antagonistic slash friendship yeah type relationship with. 
in your new state of not quite human. Yeah. It's I, I it was not the ending I was no, expecting. No, me neither, but I really, but I really liked yeah. it. <laughs> I, it was not the ending I was expecting, but I did love it. Yeah, I I loved it very much as an ending. Like again, I was like hoping for an ending where Connie and Terry just become zombies and they like go off into the sunset together as a zombie couple. But in lieu of that, uh, this is ridiculous and so fun. Yeah, yeah. Like it, it's one of those things. Like it's not the ending I was expecting, but it is an ending I absolutely love. Um, yeah, I really liked it. This book is just jam-packed full of like funny charming moments uh it really takes such a respectful look at uh what it means to be aging um yeah especially as like women in an industry that really values appearances and youthfulness Mm -hmm. um and it's just it's just so fun uh i i highly recommend picking yourself up a copy if this sounds like it would be your your jam it is a, it was definitely ours yeah it was an absolute <laughs> delight i'm so glad uh that our wonderful listener uh recommended this to us because i i sort of feel like it's one of those books that you wouldn't necessarily find or even necessarily pick up based on the premise not that it's a bad premise just that like it wouldn't necessarily have been like something of like ah oh, yes i'm looking for a book about uh <laughs> Yeah, it's a hard one in terms of like I probably wouldn't have found this yeah, it's, otherwise it's very because niche. yeah, like I'm not uh, Google searching erotic novella about Golden Girls, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's one of those like I didn't know I needed it until it was in front of me, and then I was like, "Fuck yes, I I wanted yeah. this." I didn't know I did, but I yeah, did. It uh, it is definitely it is definitely one of those things where like we finished it, and I was like, "Oh man, I want like more books like this." Oh, yeah. So, huge props to uh, V.D. Mercer and Dan Scammell, who wrote this. Uh, Good job. This was fantastic. Yeah, absolutely, like, gem. A banger. Yeah, an absolute gem of a book. (laughs) Uh, Cannot recommend it enough, honestly. Yeah. Oh, it was so good. It was so fun. There were so many times where, like, I think we both stopped and we're just, like, laughing about something funny that was written or had to, like pause and discuss how good certain things were, were done and it, it really is the writing is great um the the pictures and the story and it, it all just comes together to make this really really unique and wonderful experience it's beautiful it really is yeah, yeah. i mean it's funny it's creepy it's sexy and it's emotional and it juggles all of those things so beautifully yeah, it is it's got such a fine balance between uh all these many different layers to it mm-hmm. and yeah and really uh quite masterful uh props props to the writers uh and again thank you to our listener who uh, recommended that to us, I believe, on our Twitter page uh no, they reached out to me on discord, uh-huh. so thank you very much for that. But yes, uh, listeners, if you would like to recommend us something, please do feel free to reach out. Uh, we do have a Twitter. It is at SquickMeNot. Yeah. Um, we also have a Tumblr, yeah. which is SquickMeNot.com. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, drop us a line. Or if you just want to leave us a comment, uh, we would love to hear 
hear your thoughts on our silly little smut podcast. Yeah. And uh, next week we will be doing our 2023 recap of the year. Uh, look forward retrospective. To that. Yeah, uh, we will be doing a lot of uh, fun things to sort of uh, look back, look back on all the books to review and all the different characters. Mm-hmm, and uh, mm-hmm. all our listeners out there, thank you for listening. Where can we find you on social media? Let's see. You can find me on Twitter and Blue Sky at First Order Pixie. Uh, you can also find my blog where I review books as well as well as sell my own books rosesbooks.home.blog and also on AO3 oh yes you can also find my AO3 where all my fan fiction lives um it's pixies things and how about you squid where can the people find you uh, so we already discussed uh tumblr which one day I'll get good at updating no really I swear uh, <laughs> at uh, com, I'm on Archive of Our Own at Frick Frack Paddywhack and we also have a joint blog where you can read all of our original work uh, that we have co-written together at uh, dandelionl.wordpress.com and uh, yeah, pick yourself up a copy of this wonderful book mm-hmm. yes I think that's it yeah, we'll see y'all in the next one Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.